Hello, I'm Fifi Peters. I want to welcome you to the Journey to One Billion podcast series. We're speaking to MasterCard experts and business leaders across the Middle East and Africa and around the world who are working together to build a more inclusive and sustainable digital economy that works for everyone, everywhere. MasterCard has a commitment to financially include one billion people into the digital economy by 2025. This is the journey to one billion. In this episode, we discuss the needs of tomorrow's consumer on the journey to a more inclusive and sustainable digital economy. How should brands operate in this environment and reach out effectively to connect to people in new and meaningful ways? We welcome Raja Rajamana, MasterCard's Chief Marketing and Communications Officer and President of its healthcare business, and Sonia Lakal, Chief Marketing Officer for food delivery giant Talibat. We get their expert view on how marketing is evolving to meet the needs of tomorrow's consumer in the future digital landscape and how brands can create a culture where marketing can be both a force for growth and a force for good, supporting the communities in which they serve. First, let me welcome Raja. In your best-selling book, Quantum Marketing, uh, Mastering the New Marketing Mindset for Tomorrow's Consumers, you talk about disruption of a magnitude that's never been seen before. With all this in mind, what are some of the key insights when we think about tomorrow's consumer and their preferences? You know, you're absolutely right. We are at the verge of an unprecedented level of disruption that marketing is going to witness. Marketing has been evolving over the years, and it is nothing over the decades and centuries, actually. And the key thing is, every time marketing was evolving or transforming, it was driven by a couple of technologies. But today, marketing is about to witness the advent of more than two dozen technologies, whether it is artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality, blockchains, 3D printing, drones, 5G telecommunications. The list goes on and on and on. You've got 24 different disruptive technologies. Each one of these technologies is independently capable of disrupting marketing, disrupting people's lives. Just imagine what the power of the confluence of these 24 technologies is going to do to us. It's going to be absolutely unprecedented. What this does is it actually makes sure that the way we do marketing today will simply not work tomorrow. The strategies, the frameworks, the theories, and the concepts around marketing will all be totally invalidated in this fifth paradigm of marketing when we are going to be disrupted so big. Actually, it's not something which is going to happen a few years down the line. We are already at the doorstep. The transformation is actually happening as we speak at this point in time. So marketers, therefore, and businesses, therefore, have to really reinvent and reimagine marketing as to how they are going to tackle the future. Other than technology, there is also going to be a revolution on data, the way we gather information. Because today, if you see already, our homes are connected with smart thermostats. 
smart coffee makers, smart toothbrushes. Everything is smart. Smart being telegraphic word for connected. It's connected to the internet. When every device around us at homes are connected to the internet, the amount of data which these devices spew out is incredible. And that data can be transmitted to and fro by 5G instantaneously. And with the power of AI, that data can be analyzed, insights can be obtained in real time, and actions can be taken in real time. So the data is going to be an amazing, amazing aspect of this fifth paradigm that we have not seen anything like soft. But on the last dimension, I would say, is the culture. When there is so much of data that is there, consumers are worrying already, what's happening to my privacy? Uh, is my data safe and secure? What is this data being used for? And other than that concern about data, the consumer psychology and the sociology is dramatically altering and we are seeing tectonic shifts in the cultures across countries and continents. So between technology, between data, and between culture, between the three of these, life is going to be completely different and therefore we have to reimagine marketing all over. And to your point on trust, according to the 2021 uh, Edelman Trust Barometer, consumers are more likely to buy a brand that they trust. Underpinning that trust is the expectation that brands advance purpose and contribute to society. What's MasterCard's approach to advancing purpose and ultimately serving the communities in which you operate? So first and foremost, trust is going to be so relevant and important for the survival and the success of a company and of a brand. You cannot really overstate it. It's mighty critical. The trust is obtained through a variety of things, including transparency, ethical practices, operating with integrity, and doing something for the community and for the society and for the planet at large, as opposed to companies being purely in pursuit of profits for their companies. This is what consumers are expecting brands to do. They need to stand up for issues that matter. They need to be purpose-driven. They need to take action, not merely throw advertisements at them. So this is going to be a really, I would say, a massive influx of consciousness about purpose and about societal and planet well-being that's going to be very critical. Now at MasterCard, one of the things that we have realized very early on, and this is before purpose became a fashionable term to be used in your annual reports and as sound bites for the CEOs, MasterCard has been a purpose-driven company, and it has been so since its IPO and even pre-IPO. This was 2007, and 2007 is where we really formalized the approach of the company. And that's when we said we have to be a purpose-driven company. We have to be doing well as a company by doing good to the society. And we have been practicing that ever since very methodically and very consistently. We have been identifying various initiatives that make a difference to people's lives in a good way, and then putting our might behind it, giving the power of our network to those causes to make a difference. I'll just share a couple of examples. So we have started looking at hunger in the world is such an unfortunate pandemic of a different type, right? And particularly for children who are from underprivileged communities who have to actually work to support their parents 
and they're missing out on school and still they don't get one single good nutritious meal a day. So we partnered with World Food Program, which as you know, is a part of the United Nations. And we have been contributing to hundreds of millions of meals to children and give those meals in schools to the children. So there is a thoughtfulness behind it. It is not just feeding poor people, it's feeding children at their schools. Why at their schools? Because we want these children to attend schools. For the parents, that's one less mouth to feed on that particular day. So they're happy to let the kids go to the school instead of dragging them along to work with them in their, uh, wherever they are working. In that situation, the kids are now there in the schools and we have done some analysis of the data around that. And we find that the school attendance has gone up by about 8% in those kind of schools where the free meal schemes are available that we have enabled. And amongst girls, which is very important, amongst girls, it is 14% rise. You know, in fact, in most of the developing and underprivileged economies, unfortunately, the girls suffer more disproportionately than boys. And they get to miss out on education. And education can be a passport out of poverty. And so that's one kind of a effort that we have been doing, partnering with World Food Program, and we are very proud of the partnership. Likewise, we looked at cancer. So cancer is a huge scourge on the society, and a vast number of people are impacted. Almost there are statistics I have seen. One out of every two and a half men actually go through cancer during their lifetimes, and that number has actually been shown as even being two out of three people. So whatever it is, it is way too high. And in that kind of a situation, we said, can we do something for cancer research? Because all forms of cancer are not necessarily researched into because different cancer drugs have different market potential as seen by the pharmaceutical companies. So we said it should not be a commercial venture, but it should be something for the good of the society. So we partnered with a not-for-profit organization called Stand Up to Cancer Foundation. And with them, we have started raising funds for them. We have been enabling them to do research bringing together the best scientists and following a very scientific and a methodical process to be able to come to drug discovery. And we have started doing that. And so far, I'm very happy to say that we have got more than seven drugs that have been FDA approved based on the research that these organizations have done. And not only that, we also have come up with an early detection of ovarian cancer methodology. So these are the things which are really making a huge difference. And what we do is we identify a cause, we put our might behind it, we are very consistent about it, about that commitment. It's not like chasing a new penny. So you see something new here, now go there. Say something else new here, go there. But we are very thoughtful, very consistent, and very committed. That's how we have been approaching it. Let's talk uh, challenges. Uh, what are the big challenges, in your view, that brands face in enhancing the digital consumer experiences? And how do the brands evolve marketing practices for tomorrow's consumer? See, firstly, if you have to do successful marketing, you should understand your consumers extremely well. To understand consumers, they're not just consumers who consume goods and services. That is a kind of a commercial context. You should understand consumers as people as human beings. Understand everything about their lives and try to give genuine and authentic solutions to them to solve those issues 
or those needs or those problems or those aspirations. That's how you go about it. Now, typically what happens is a lot of decisions that consumers take, they are not conscious, they're subconscious. They're based on feelings and emotions. It's not logical, it is more psychological. So in that kind of a scenario, what we are seeing is that the emergence of new methodologies and techniques like neuro insights, which will help us understand consumers much better than if you were to ask them and they giving you a response, which most of the time is post-rationalization of something which is otherwise psychological. That requires a complete shift in how we get consumer insights. Likewise, when you look at consumers and how you would want to interact with them, from a digital perspective, just because there is a digital pervasiveness or pervasiveness of digital devices all over, you cannot be hounding consumers or intruding into their experiences. You have to be very thoughtful. As much as marketers have an ability to reach consumers anytime, anywhere, you should not misuse and abuse that ability to access the consumers. You have to be respectful of the consumer's privacy. You have to be thoughtful and empathetic about the context of the consumer. You have to be looking out for your product for sure, but more than the product, you have to look out for the consumer's best interest. When you serve the consumer in the best possible way, which the digital context actually enables pretty significantly, profits will follow, growth will follow. But if you put profits first, then it's going to be a disaster from a consumer experience point of view, and it leaves a huge trust deficit, which is what today we witness. If you look at consumers today, going back to the trust topic for a minute, you see that there is a massive, pervasive distrust and mistrust. They cannot trust media. They cannot trust politicians. They cannot trust brands. They cannot trust companies. Everywhere they see, they don't know what to trust and what not to trust. In that kind of a trust deficit environment, trust is going to be a key factor to differentiate a brand and make it succeed and thrive into the future. Now, when I describe about my future model around quantum marketing, which is the way that you do marketing in this fifth paradigm, you need to really operate from these fundamental foundational principles. Like for example, on the one hand, we talked just about the purpose and trust and integrity, et cetera. We talked about how devices are pervasive and how you would reach consumers. We talked about how data is available, but you need to be very thoughtful of how you do it. I'll just give you one example. And most recently, when you're talking of data, my healthcare provider sent me an email saying that, hey, you know what? We have had a data breach. And this data breach has unfortunately resulted in a loss of your data. So your social security number, your date of birth, your address, your name, everything is gone. Now it's out there. That makes me furious. And what adds insult to the injury is when this hospital tells me, or when this uh, healthcare system it tells me, well, we will give you one year of free credit monitoring, which costs about $8 or $10. It's almost like, you know, in a, a contempt for the consumers, it's, uh, it's almost looking down upon them. It's, I'm doing this, so be grateful to me. As a consumer, it infuriates me. And I say, look, if you don't have the ability to protect my data, you have no business collecting my data. So data is a very, very key aspect. And the vulnerability of data is so much that marketers have to really rethink what data they should even be collecting and how should they be storing and how should they be using it. 
and then you've got the privacy. So the key thing is technology is an enabler, but it is a two-sided coin. It can be used very abusively and it can get consumers into a situation where they should not be in. And on the other hand, it can be huge enablement for marketers. The key thing is marketers have to put themselves in the shoes of consumers and say, this is how I as a consumer would like to be treated. Turning it the other way around now, when I'm putting on my marketer's hat, this is how I should treat my consumers. So that, I think the whole approach is going to be completely different in this fifth paradigm, which is quantum marketing. Raja, thanks so much for sharing your insights on understanding tomorrow's consumer. Thank you very much, Fifi. Appreciate it. My next guest, Sonia Lakal, has more than 20 years marketing expertise in e-commerce, digital marketing and digital transformation, as well as in building marketing teams and has developed a strong understanding of digital consumer behaviours in MENA markets. Previously, Sonia was the Vice President of Digital Marketing at Emirates Airlines, followed by Chief Marketing Officer at OSN. In 2020, Sonia joined the Talibat team as Chief Marketing Officer and is developing the brand as well as driving user acquisition and retention. Welcome to the podcast, Sonia. In 2004, Talibat was created by a group of entrepreneurs with a vision to make food delivery an easy experience. Can you talk us through the evolution of the business from humble beginnings to revolutionizing the food delivery industry in the MENA region? Yes, indeed. So I think Talabat's story is very interesting because um, it started in a very entrepreneurial uh, manner, indeed, in Kuwait in 2004, uh, and then very quickly expanded in other markets in the region, starting with the UAE, and then over the years, uh, Bahrain, Oman, Jordan, Egypt, Qatar, and Saudi. And uh, today we are present in nine uh, markets, including Iraq as well, that we uh, launched last year. And we are the largest online food de delivery platform in the Middle East. Uh, what's also interesting is that in 2015, uh, Talabat was acquired by Delivery Hero, um, which is a major uh, global food tech company that is active in all, almost 50 markets around the world um, and um, has a huge scale. Uh, for example, um, in uh, quarter three of this year, I think we are, as a group, we are approaching 800 million orders um, globally. Through, through this um, connection um, of, of a big global company, we really have access to um, future trends, to new technology developments, um, and also to a lot of best practices sharing um, across the different companies um, in, in the group. Uh, and, and so today we've uh, delivered um, hundreds of millions of orders uh, in the region. We have our own delivery service um, and we've also built a, a very solid brand that is trusted by and loved by a lot of consumers in the MENA region. 
Um, I think also it's it's interesting to to point out that the food delivery industry is in in full expansion at the moment. Um, I think some numbers um, see um, you know, a tripling of the size of the business globally from around 100 billion dollars um, in 2020 to more than 360 million billion dollars. Um, by 2030 so we are operating in the context of um, of, of very fast growth um, at the global level and and also in in mina where the market is um, expected to be uh, in the range of um, 3.3 to 3.77 billion dollars um, was ex was um, ex estimated as of 2020 last year Technology has certainly played a critical role in the success of the business. What are some of the key technologies shaping the consumer experience in your industry? So I think um, we can mainly focus on three technologies. Um, we have uh, the technology that supports what we call our quick commerce um, activity. We have our logistics and our cloud kitchen. And what's interesting is like um, these three technologies are beautifully illustrated and experienced in our Talabat kitchen at Expo 2020 here in Dubai. So, so maybe kind of talking briefly about the, the three technology, um, quick commerce is, is our um, kind of in-house uh, term, if you want, to uh, designate the, the, the new generation of e-commerce where we deliver um, very quickly um, uh, items that are important for consumers, you know, in their daily life. And uh, the, the best illustration of this is groceries and uh, people are now moving to a new way of, of buying groceries. And in order to support this, we have uh, our Talabat Marts, which are effectively what the industry calls dark stores, which are grocery stores that are uh, not meant to be accessible by walking customers, but that are specifically optimized and designed for delivery. Uh, and the, the beauty of this setup is that we can really control how we organize um, items on the shelf, how we optimize the picking, the packing of the orders, and as well as um, select the locations of these stores so that all in all, we manage to be very fast in preparing and delivering the orders. And today in most of our markets, we deliver your groceries in 20 minutes, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's an amazing customer experience. The, the second technology is linked to our logistics, which is, um, you know, through the years of experience and the scale of our business, um, we are able to use algorithm and artificial intelligence to really enhance our logistic capabilities, our planning and um, uh, optimizing the delivery time and, and the routes for the, the riders, especially because, you know, when we want to offer this fast delivery experience, we want to make sure that um, we always um, remain um, on the safe side when it comes to our drivers and um, the exp their experience on the road. So the gains of um, speed and efficiency are really coming from the use of technology in every single point of the preparation of the order and, and the delivery.
And then finally, uh, there is a, an interesting technology that has uh, been developed in the past few years, which is what we call the cloud kitchen, which is a bit similar to our Talabat Mart. Um, these are kitchens that are um, not meant to be um, serving customers uh, walking in, uh, you know, in the restaurants, but that are purely optimized to uh, give a great delivery experience from the quality of the food and the, to the speed of the delivery. And, um, and we are able able to host several um, brands in the same uh, locations and provide them with a state-of-the-art technology so that they can really focus on uh, preparing great food in the most efficient way and, um, and give customers this um, super fast experience of, of getting their foods you know, hot and and um, and in in good condition, um, and so you know this experience of uh, Talabat Mart, um, amazing logistics and uh, cloud kitchen uh, can be experienced in a very unique way in the Talabat kitchen that is currently um, operating at Expo 2020 in Dubai. Uh, with a, a slight variation because this uh, kitchen actually also allows you, lets you uh, enjoy a nice dining experience in the beautiful um, setup of uh, Expo and, uh, and our kitchen. Um, but it, it does leverage all of these technologies in terms of um, uh, efficient food preparation. Uh, we are co-hosting more than 30 brands uh, in, in our kitchen. And, um, and also uh, there are a, a few um, fun experiences. So for example, we have um, a robotic barista that can prepare a coffee and you can even um, upload your photo and get your photo printed on the form of the milk which is um, very fun and uh, and great for instagram and uh, and a robotic uh, ice cream uh, machine um, that is also a great success with with the kids we know the uh, pandemic has accelerated the move towards digital payments and online shopping. A MasterCard survey suggests roughly 20 to 30 percent of the COVID-related shift to digital in the region is expected to be permanent. How has this increase in new consumers affected your business model and what's your strategy for retaining those new consumers? Yeah, so for us, uh, definitely uh, COVID was, uh, has uh, changed profoundly um, consumers' um, habits, but also, um, you know, the, the, the way we run the business. But I, I think in summary, what we saw is after the initial um, kind of, you know, decrease in business because people had certain concerns uh, that we were able to address by really doubling down on, on safety and information, we really saw uh, a major increase of uh, the usage of food delivery and grocery delivery services. And so I think between the beginning and the end of the, like between March and September, um, we saw about a 25% increase in, in the business, more in areas where there were less um, uh, constraints on, on lockdown and delivery. And um, and what's interesting is that uh, some of these, uh, you know, 
temporary behaviors ended up being uh, quite profound and, and permanent. I think for us, the way we leveraged this was also by uh, definitely doubling down on marketing. This is also the time where we actually uh, launched uh, a new uh, rebranding, a new brand identity. We had a uh, um, several uh, advertising campaigns across the whole regions. And this is also when we really developed our proposition for uh, online grocery uh, deliveries, right? So um, when most people knew Talabat as a food delivery uh, platform, um, during COVID and after COVID, they also started using more and more the grocery delivery services, which gives this uh, fantastic experience that I was uh, mentioning of, of getting your groceries in, in 20 minutes. So all in all, it's, it's, it's been, I think, a great experience for consumers to have more options of uh, getting deliveries um, to, to their homes. And, and for us, it's been an opportunity to develop um, a, a new vertical in the business and, uh, and really increase our offering. Understanding tomorrow's consumer has never been more important and what we expect to see more of in the future is the continued rise of the conscious consumer, looking to support only those brands that will advance purpose and contribute to society. How can brands be both a force for growth as well as a force for good? Uh, yes, yeah, so for Talabat, um, being a force for good is, is central in to who we are and, and how we operate. Um, I think the nature of our business um, puts us at the center of a very important ecosystem between our customers, our partners and our riders and also the communities that we operate in um, on, on the day-to-day. -day. So I think we've shown a, a consistent commitment to, to a lot of our stakeholders in, in the past few years. Uh, to, to give you a few examples, I think um, we've had a few key campaigns that have been um, really noticed by um, by, by uh, you know our, our the broad audience and and um, and um, really uh, resonated with uh, a lot of communities here. So, for example, um, we had a, a, an action called Lunch for Lebanon that uh, was uh, in support of people who were affected by the, the the port tragedy in Beirut, where we donated our full profit from uh, 115,000 orders plus some cash donation uh, and then uh, there was also a beautiful initiative called a stand for humanity campaign where uh, we supported the humanitarian crisis in palestine uh, through a combination of customer donations as well as donating our own profits and we were that way we were able to donate more than half a million euros to the un world food program um, for the, the, the relief in Palestine. So uh, we are very keen to create this uh, kind of high profile uh, actions when um, there are some, uh, you know, important uh, crises to support, but we also have uh, more ongoing initiatives. So, um, of course, during Ramadan, um, we um, donated uh, more than 650,000 meals um, to the humanitarian 
humanitarian crisis in both Syria and, and Yemen. And, and also all year long, we support um, specific charities in each country that are listed in our app. And we encourage our customers to uh, donate to these charities. Uh, and, and we try to always be present in our communities. So, um, for example, during the, the, the COVID pandemic, um, we supported to deliver um, um, uh, medical supplies in areas that were hard to reach. And uh, we try to collaborate very closely with the government and the local authorities whenever we can um, support uh, in, in, in any way possible. Um, so it, it's, I think we all at Talabat feel very proud and, and very privileged um, to be part of an organization that, you know, also puts a lot of emphasis on, on this commitment of being a, a force for good. Uh, and and uh, we see it in the day-to-day, -day, um, how it, it translates into specific initiatives. What advice do you have for marketers and small business owners as they navigate the digital economy, amend their marketing strategies and ready their companies to meet the needs of tomorrow's consumers? Maybe a, a, a few core principles is that I think it's, it's really important to understand um, how consumers are changing their behaviors and uh, understanding what matters to them. And I think what you highlighted, such as, you know, consumers expecting companies not only to give them a great efficient service, but also to show um, a commitment and a consistent philosophy as a brand is something really important. I think um, uh, detecting you know, changes in, in behavior and, and expectation is, is really important. I think um, the, the great thing is nowadays, um, social media has become a very visible channel you know, overall to understand more directly um, how consumers think and what they um, care about. So it's, you have the, all these channels that in a very quick and efficient way give you visibility on, on your consumers. So my advice would be to, to really keep an eye on, on these channels and, um, and make sure you understand the, the consumers. You're listening to The Journey to One Billion. To listen to more, you can find episodes on www.meacontentexchange.com or download or subscribe to the podcast through your favorite platform. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, why not leave us a review? I'm Fifi Peters. Thank you for joining The Journey to One Billion.